This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, joined as I am each week by the voice of Glory Kickboxing, the former welterweight champion of Glory Kickboxing, the founder of BazookaTraining.com and Bazooka Kickboxing and MMA Gym. It's Bazooka Joe Valtellini. And we've got a big week ahead of us, Joe. UFC 264, the trilogy fight, Poirier versus McGregor. Yep, and remember we talked about it last week. A week off before a big show just gets me that much more hype. Like, I'm actually, like... I usually just get ready for the event, but I'm actually now I'm on YouTube. I'm watching all your interviews. I'm here wa- waiting for the press conferences. I'm, I'm excited for weigh-ins. Just one week off, and I'm that much more excited. Like I said, do a Saturday and Sunday, and then take a week off, and then yeah. have the pay-per-view. Give, give people too much MMA, and then not enough, and then you, you hit them with the big one. Yeah, you need it. And those pay- before every pay-per-view, one week off. That's, that's the new uh, thing I'm going to propose. I like it. Except they have, they have, they have committed to doing. I think it's like forty-four events per year. So they have to figure out where they're going to be doing those other ones. But I hear you. I think it's a good idea. Yeah, um, but the two-in-one week, like you said. But what about I? I don't even mind some, like a Thursday, maybe. You know, like those Dana White contender fights on a Tuesday. They're fun to watch. You know, because midweek there's nothing to do. I love it. If you can put a nice like card, like those fight nights, kind of mix them up throughout the week. Maybe put a Wednesday and a Saturday, or I think the the midweek card is always fun. They used to do Wednesday nights, I believe it was, when they had, they did early UFC fight nights. I think on Spike, like back in the day. I like that idea. But uh, but you gotta you gotta think Dana White numbers are probably doing good. The Ultimate Fighter numbers are probably doing good. Midweek, everybody's home. Let's do it. I think it's the perfect model. I'm with you. I like it. Take that week off before the the big events. A uh, yeah. little bit of housekeeping off the top. The TSN MMA Show Interview Edition podcast is available on our feed. Big interview week, obviously, with a, a card like this. Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier, Dana White, Stephen Thompson, Gilbert Burns. Lots of interviews for you. So check that out. And uh, now we, we get down to business. Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor. It's the trilogy fight. What are you looking for in this one, Joe? If, if you were, let's just put it this way. If you're Conor McGregor's camp, it's, I know you coach fighters. What's yeah. your game plan going into this one in order to beat Dustin Poirier? If you're, if you're Team McGregor. Well, it's almost get back to the the old school McGregor, uh, the McGregor who was a little bit more karate based. I think the the bouncing, the the uh, you know the switching of stances, the not so heavy on the lead leg. I think he needs to go a little bit old school, work on the movement. I think after the Conor McGregor fight, he uh, not sorry the Conor McGregor fight. I'm thinking the Floyd Mayweather fight. He got very boxing hungry. I mean, I think he fell in love with boxing, which we all do. It's fun. It's nice. It's you're only working on one element, you know. It's so I think he got boxing hungry, changed his stance a little bit, which made him susceptible to calf kicks. So get back to the old school switching stances, bladed, side kicking a little bit more, and I think he'll do well. I think he'll do well if uh, he sticks to kind of that. Where Pori, I think it's the same thing. Sit there and. Try to sit in the pocket, get some power, and I think maybe even mix, mixing in his grappling and wrestling for Poirier would be a good strategy too. Yeah, I think that we're going to see a little bit more grappling from Poirier in this one. And like you mentioned with the footwork, I watched the last fight just looking at the feet last yeah. time, and it's, it's a different fight. It's interesting to watch in that regard to see how, how much weight McGregor's putting on that front leg, and I think that was a real factor for Poirier. Yeah, and, and, and I think I'm going to do a YouTube video on it soon, but what – there's a big difference between a stance when you're kick fighting versus boxing. I mean, and when uh, if you're a good kick fighter, and I mean, I would put Connor as a, a decent kick fighter. His kicks were really good when he was using them. 
he has to have a longer stance. But if you try to box with that long stance, you can't block kicks. So that that was the biggest issue. So I think you'll see a little bit more kicks. And another big thing, I mean, for the, the those who are very technical uh, watching the show, I mean, he's got to use a lot of feints. He's got to use feints, feints before he attacks because that then he'll know if Poirier is going to attack the leg. If he feints and he sees Poirier is loading up for a kick, he can kind of move and make adjustments. So I think the fainting game of McGregor is going to be on point. From talking to Poirier, it doesn't sound like they have much of a strategy going into it. They kind of just adjust on the fly. I mean, he said basically the calf kick weren't a strategy going into the last fight. They were just working and he, had, he made the adjustment yeah. and he kept with it. Um, if you're Poirier, what would you do in this fight? Do you, do you think that there's anything that he should have done differently in the first one that he can use to his advantage in this one? Well, I think I, I'm more of the, the Poirier style of fighter. I mean, I, I have never gone into a fight thinking this is go I'm going to do this exactly. I mean, yeah, I knew my low kicks were my best weapon, but I was going to throw them against everybody. But what was going to unfold, it was never planned. I was always going to pressure fight. It's making guys fight my fight. And I think Poirier is that guy. He'll get you into those wars, those mid-range exchanges. Um, and I just think he's experienced, and that's the best way when you're experienced. I, th I think if the psychology game now, you got to think Conor McGregor in his head now, is my stance too long? Should I go sideways? Should I go forward? Do I need to go southpaw? Should I be worth? There's so much more for Conor to think about that. I just think that might even hinder him a little bit where that's going to help, you know, Poirier. Do you think this fight's going to look at all like the rematch between Conor and Nate Diaz? A lot slower, a lot more tactical. That's how I see this fight playing out. I oh, see, yeah. I see oh, this yeah. fight being a slow first and second round, a real feeling out process. And then once it gets into the later rounds, that's kind of when the fight starts. The, the, the beginning of the third round is when this fight begins, in my opinion. And just yeah. looking at the odds um, in terms of the total, like over two and a half rounds is plus 120. I like that. I think, that that's, I think this fight goes uh, over two and a half rounds. Yeah, that, that's a fantastic bet. But, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's going to be slower. I mean, Poirier's thinking about the calf kick. So he's going to be patient. He's going to be slower. He's going to test the distance out a little bit more patiently. You know, he's not just going to crash because he knows those early calf kicks are going to add up. So if he's going to take them, I guess he'd rather them a little later on in the fight. So I think he'll be ready. And I, I'll – don't be surprised if you see Connor throwing a lot of calf kicks himself. I think part of studying the getting hit with calf kicks is how to give the calf kick. So I think Connor's going to have something to prove. So you'll probably see him attacking the legs of Poirier. Well, Connor told me yesterday that he's shored that up. He said that when you train calf kicks in training and you're wearing shin guards, it's not the same as in a fight. Like you can't really simulate it um, yeah. in the same way. So it, sound, it seems like that is was a, an, an energy, uh, sorry, a, a place where he focused his energy in this training camp was figuring out how to actually train calf kicks. And it's a, it is a really hard thing for people to do in practice. It's not something that is an easy technique for people to really do in practicum. And the reason yeah. for that is because they hurt. <laughs> they hurt yeah. a lot, yeah. and they're hard yeah. to take over and over again in that kind of a setting. But that that's when you kind of have to do that. So, like, I'm, I'm okay with my guys on my team. If, if you finish your, your partner with, with calf kicks or low kicks, that's good on you. I mean, I'd rather them get finished in training. And then guess what? Next week it's going to be a little bit sore. And what happens now? If you take one calf kick, you're screwed. So you better move. You better block it. And then that's where learning happens. After you damage it so bad in sparring, you want to continue to train. So you're going to have to maybe switch stances a little bit. And that's when you can really learn those kind of tactics. So, yeah, I think – 
I think those getting hit with those calf kicks are good too because it conditions the legs. So I think it's interesting. I think it's uh, it's going to be a big factor. I think everyone's going to be watching for. Everyone's going to be li- listening, you know, for for the corners attacking. So I think it's fun. I think this uh, this calf kick element makes this uh, a fun fight. And from talking to Robin Black, our colleague, I was talking to him, you know, in in depth about calf kicks and practicing calf kicks and all that uh, a little while ago. Um, just a regular conversation, not not anything that you can go back and watch. But uh, he was saying the best defense for a calf kick is to just not be there for them. Like if somebody throws yeah. a calf kick, you gotta just you, you gotta use the footwork to get out of there. And I think that Connor's footwork needs to change for this fight. I think that he needs to be a little bit less heavy on that front leg. And even though that's how he's going to generate a lot of his power for that left, he's got to figure out a new way to do that. Yeah, I mean, I it's like everything. I mean, you would say the best way to do it, but the, the best way is the best time in the fight at that moment. I mean, in the beginning, yeah, it's, you want to move, but uh, like someone like if, if you got to score points and you got to come forward, you can't move anymore. So if you consistently move, so you always have to have at least two options uh, to be able to defend it, to pressure. So depending on what you need to do in the fight, you have to change the range. And depending on the range, you're going to defend the kick very differently. So I think you have to be prepared for both. But yeah, it's right to move. Don't be there. And I think Connor's going to either have to pressure or move. So it's going to be interesting. I think I, lo- I just love that being a, a low kick specialist that this is the narrative of the fight. So um, get more people talking about calf kicks, more people searching them on YouTube and watching my tutorials on them. Yeah, there you go. And you can go to bazookatraining.com and learn how to Whoa. defend and throw calf kicks. There you go. At least mid, I think so. Mid, I don't mid-commercial. know. Mid-commercial. Yeah, I did actually. It's my, like, I think my third or fourth uh, sparring drill is blocking low kicks. All right. And then how to counter them as well. So you got to be able to do the whole system. Well, it looks like Connor was blocking them in the second round. Like the first round, he wasn't really checking them. And then he, he was on to Poirier and started checking them. And by then, it was too late. Yeah. You know, checking a calf kick is going to hurt yeah, the person throwing sucks. the calf kick. You know, because the calf kick, a lot of time, you don't. When I throw a low kick or when you throw a low kick, you you ideally want to hit with your shin, which is the hardest part. If you hit with your foot and you hit a knee, your your foot has all those little small bones. It's going to hurt. So a small blocking of turning your toe out and you catch your instep on the shin, throw in a hard calf kick, good chance you're going to break your foot. So I think turning the foot out and trying to get – a lot of times if guys throw them on me, I'm looking to try to get my shin on their foot. That's the strategy, you know, try to hurt their kick on my block. So, I mean, it'll be interesting. I'm fu- um, but what did you get from talking to them? But where is this mindset? Because a lot of people are talking about McGregor being too friendly last time. He, he needs to get back to a little bit more focus. Is he a little bit more focused? What did you get from the interview? You know what? I, I have to be honest. And when it comes to interviews – I don't get much out of them in terms of yeah. in terms of what, what somebody's mindset is going into a fight because I don't think the interviews are a real indicator of where people are at. Like it's, I hate to say it because I do the interviews and this is my job, right? But yeah. I don't I don't think you it's can true. get a real strong read on fighters. Uh, you know what? My 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 friend Dan Tom, who I do the pre-show with before the events, uh, we do kind of a gambling style uh, pre-show on Twitter. He picks up these little things from interviews that. When he when he talks about them, he listens to my interviews actually a lot, and and is able to pick up these little things that actually come into fruition during a fight, and he's able to really notice those things. I, I'm not as good as that at that. I'm not when people are talking to me, I'm kind of thinking of what's what I'm going to talk about next. But he yeah. goes back and listens, and he can notice these little nuances. 
from what people are saying that actually plays out in the fight. And I, that always really impresses me because you have to really be listening carefully to, to figure out any, for, for fighters to give you even the smallest nugget of what they're thinking going into a fight. Um, so, you know, I did ask Conor McGregor, I said, were you too nice last time? And he was like, yeah, you know, he goes, I, I was he basically said he was too nice. He said that he was, he felt like he was doing Dustin a favor. He said like he, yeah. he, he was, he was, uh, helping the foundation. He was helping his family and he goes, he, he basically said he was being too nice. And I, I said to him, are we going to see the same kind of old Connor at the press conference or are you just who you're going to be that day? Like he, he said, he said to me before the, the last Poirier fight, I said, is the, is the Conor McGregor that has those kind of pr- those press conference antics? Is that s- still in you somewhere? And yeah. he said, you know, I've matured a lot. I've got kids now. I'm a father. But I also just am who I am at any given moment. And that's basically what he said he's going to be like tonight. He's just, I am who I am going to be on that day. So it's, you know, it's kind of an authentic answer. But that's how we'll know what we're getting with Conor McGregor tonight. Yeah, I think it's the dance partner too, right? Dustin's not a guy. He's a respectful guy. He's there to fight, fight hard. He's not there to kind of... I think get under Connor's skin. I bet you if Khabib was on the other side, we'll probably see old school Connor get out. Um, but I just felt like Connor, I think Izzy, a lot of those guys, they they wear their heart on their sleeves, and you can kind of see the the type of mindset they go in fight week. Because sometimes that's pre-planned, right? Like sometimes you got to get a little bit more angry through camp. Sometimes you're like, you know, this camp mindset. It's like a that's the word. It's like it's a, it's a mindset through camp. Maybe your last fight you were too aggressive. So this camp, you're like, all right, camp is relaxation. You know, let's go in cool, calm, collected. But maybe it's more like, hey, man, you got to put pressure on. You got to get angry. Let's get mad. So then you, you kind of sense that on those guys. But, uh, yeah, I, I just I would hope Connor's just uh, I think he needs to be more aggressive, but more calculated. I think it's just small adjustments. It's not really a mindset thing. It's a distance thing. Well, Poirier has been saying since before the last fight that, he only thinks about the box. He goes, everything outside the box is irrelevant. And the box is like the things that actually matter with this fight. Um, so when, you know, I asked him about the press conference, I said, are you going to engage in any sort of mental warfare? And he was like, no, I'm not. It's, he's like, it's irrelevant. He, basically, he, he's, he's at a stage right now where whatever happens outside of the fight itself is like, it's just, it's not the truth. He believes that what happens in the cage is the truth. And everything outside of that is just kind of like smoke and mirrors. Right, and yeah. I think that taking that approach is a really good approach to take if you can stand by it, if you can stick with it and not let it affect you. But the other thing he has is the trump card, which is I beat you six months ago. You know, like whatever yeah. Connor says, all Poirier can look at is saying, you know, like six months ago I beat you in the in the cage, in the same cage we're going to be fighting in on Saturday. I beat you. So yeah. what what can you say to that if you're Connor McGregor? Not much. Now, has anything came up about uh, the? With an, an audience being there, was Connor excited about it? Did he feel like it'd be a factor, or was it something not even mentioned? Well, there was an audience in the last one. We have to remember there was about it was 4, a small people one there. Yeah, about four thousand people. Okay, so, but now um, we're looking at what fifteen? We're talking about a full house, full T-Mobile Arena. So it's probably fifteen or seven, fifteen to seventeen thousand people, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I imagine it's going to be incredibly loud. It's the first event in Vegas with a crowd since the pandemic, right? Like first, uh, sorry, UFC event rather, but. Yeah, I expect it's going to be incredibly loud, and uh, and that's going to play to Connor's favor. Yeah, and and one of your questions to Dana White was his prediction on pay per view buys. He feels this is uh, this is going to be a hit. Yeah, over two million. He says it's broken the record for pre buys, and um, he basically said that it, the gate is about fifteen million dollars. So that would make it the third highest gate in UFC history, behind, yeah. of course, two other McGregor fights. 
Yeah, I, I find it interesting those pre-buys though. I'm like, who pre-buys things like that in, in advance? Is there an well, advantage to yeah, it? Yeah, he says, and he's explained this in some of his interviews that the reason why you pre-buy a pay-per-view is because you don't want to be among a million people trying to buy it at once because there's a chance that it doesn't go through or that you're in a queue or that there's a, a failure to process it. You want to buy if you know you're going to watch the pay-per-view on Saturday, you buy it in advance, and then you don't have to worry about any sort of system failures. Okay, I figured if the system crashed, it would all crash for everyone. I just figured if it crashed, it would crash for everybody, you know? Well, so the, no, the, the stream wouldn't crash necessarily, but the, the it, it's there's two mechanisms of, of the, the platform, which is like the actual platform where you view things, and then there's the, the credit card system, like the, the processing, the payment processing. And those are kind okay. of two different things because they go through a, a, a third party in terms of payment processing. All right, got it. Yeah. So it's like it's not ESPN's platform, for example, if you're in the States. It's not ESPN's yeah, platform the payment that would crash. It's the payment processing platform that would crash. Ah, interesting. Yeah. All right. So there you go, a little tech talk. There we on, go. Uh, the TSN MMA show. For yeah. why you should buy a pay-per-view in advance if you know you're going to watch it, especially one like this where you're going to be trying to buy it at the same time as everybody else right as the prelims are coming to an end. Buy, I, I agree with Dana White. Buy it now. If you're going to watch it, if you know Saturday I'm going to be watching the fight, why wait? Pre-buy. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm more that anything could happen in that time, but I mean, you're gonna watch it. You're gonna watch it. Yeah. You know if What's you're. The, what could prevent you from watching the fight on Saturday, Joe? Well, I don't know. Maybe some beautiful woman shows up, you know, and takes wants to take me out on a nice date. I don't know. Who knows? I mean, Is that I, more I important would, than a Conor I, I McGregor? Would say, I, I would say that's unrealistic, but I would probably be wrong about that. I don't know. Maybe she just – I get this random going grocery shopping and this beautiful woman wants to go on a date. I don't know. Uh, maybe someone wants to offer me free money okay, somewhere so, and I have to – But, but <laughs> if, you, if, if you were to go on said date I'm watching it. and miss the card, you're still buying it because you want to watch it later, right? Absolutely, yeah. So there you go. There you go. So no matter what. No distractions, me. Joe. I know. Come on. I took the week off. That's it. If I wanted to, to go on a date, it should have been last week when there was no fights. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> Your timing's off. I'm sorry. I know we're yeah. at the grocery store we've just met, but if you if you, but, we would have met last week. <laughs> yeah, it would have been a little bit more convenient. would have been a different story. Yeah, come on. That's selfish on them to ask me this week. All right, so give me your prediction. What, what do you think is the most likely way that this fight ends? I don't know. I mean, I have – I just like Connor, his hype, the story, like his stardom. I think uh, – I think I have to think Connor gets it done. I think if even watching back some of the first fight, you know, Connor hit him with some good shots. I mean, if it wasn't for the calf kick, I mean, he hit him with some good shots. His counter punching was good. I, I mean, Dustin, you know, rocked a few times. I think Connor gets it done this time. I really think he does it. But I think, like you said, it's going to be over the two and a half, though. Yeah. I think well, it's going to go so over two and a half, but Connor. For TSN Edge. I, my, my, I, I do something called the dart of the week where I try to find like uh, some good value props. And what I was going to pick was Poirier wins round three at plus 850 and Poirier wins in round four at plus 1200. Those were going to be my picks. But then I realized fight ends in round... Th uh, they've changed the odds now. But fight ends in round three was plus 800 and fight ends in round four was plus 1200. So you're like, still we're getting the same price on that as Poirier winning. But now I guess they've lowered the price, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're feeling Poirier? I think Poirier is going to win in the latter rounds, in like yeah. round three, four, or five. I think By a we'll, finish? we'll see a finish. I think we'll see a finish. Okay. Um, but I do yep. expect it to be Very a bit likely. of a chess match early. And I think that once Poirier starts to, to get the volume fired up, 
unless Connor can land a better counter, and we've seen Connor's power diminish as the fight goes on. Like, how many how many finishes does Connor have outside of the second round? Like, I'm gonna look that yeah, up actually yeah. before I make a, a statement. How many times has Connor McGregor finished an opponent where the fight has gone beyond two rounds? Let's take a look. Can you think of any off the top of your head? Because I can't. No, no, they're all early within the first two or three. Two usually. Not yeah, even I don't three, even I, think three. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say I don't even think three. All right, so let's yeah. take a look since the beginning of his mixed martial arts career, not just in the UFC. Yeah, he has zero finishes in fights that have gone beyond the second round. Yeah, but maybe with some patience, maybe with a patient mindset, he's taking his time. Yeah, I don't know. I like I said, I get I get caught up in Connor hype, so it's hard it's hard for me to go against it. Yeah, I mean, he's also never lost a decision, I don't think. He's won two decisions in his career. So any every fight that's gone uh, to a decision, he's won. He's never lost a decision. And every fight that's gone beyond two rounds, he's never scored a finish. So that's interesting. Interesting uh, yeah. notes. Yeah, and his losses are usually he gets finished if he's going to get lost, right? If he lost... Because it's what he lost. Yeah, two, he's never three lost times, a decision. Right? He's never lost a decision. Yeah, he's he lost four finished. times by submission and once by knockout, which was the Poirier fight. Yeah, there you go. And yeah, Poirier, it's exciting, man. Live too. I think Poirier could snap on a darts choke or something. You know, like if if Connor tries to shoot on him. Oh yeah, that, that that's very likely. So Con- or, yeah. or Connor gets rocked. You know, gets dropped, gets the position. Yeah, gets yeah, a rear naked choke. That's kind of a good. Uh, it's kind of a nice one. Yeah. Although my favorite uh, sub prop. Is Sean O'Malley by sub is plus twelve hundred. Yeah, you can probably. Sean O'Malley's a great grappler. Like people don't yeah. give this guy enough credit for his grappling. And hey, if you're fight, if you're a ten to one favorite in a fight, you're probably wanting to show off some new wrinkles to your game. Yeah, I think he's looking for the the walk off. But yeah, that's likely. Maybe he cracks him, knocks down, get knocks him down, gets on top, get, finishes him with a submission. Yeah, plus twelve hundred. There you go, Joe. Mm-hmm. If you want to, you want a long shot to throw at the board. Yeah, no, they're all like I like when guys are, you know, good strikers with some good, you know, ground game like that. You got to think once because they're not scared once they knock them down to kind of finish them with something where me, I'd wait to stand them back up. Right. Where those guys will just jump on the ground and get it done. Right. Yeah, I'm with you on that. All right. So um, let's try to try to think if there's anything else uh, regarding the main event that we haven't discussed. Anything, uh, anything come no. to mind? No, nothing really popping up. Just excitement. You heard There's the name, a lot of... the names of the celebrities that Dana White told me were going to be in attendance. I did. Which one? Uh, I just like how you mentioned though. He's like, you know, so and so, so and so, Trump, Mel Gibson. Like he just said Trump, like <laughs> yeah, it was like the... like he's just some guy. Just... Yeah, like, that would have been the like, first yeah, Machine Gun Kelly, Trump, Mel Gibson. Yeah, and I was like, hold on that a second, so like we'll back up the truck here. Yeah, like it's not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, but I really, really like the the point that you made to him, and I don't think people understand, even as a fighter and a promoter, like people asking for free tickets, and it would probably be the most annoying That's thing the in the world, yeah. you know. Even fighting, like, can I get tickets? Can I get tickets? It was like, I don't know. Go check yourself. Yeah. Check your local boss. asking me. <laughs> yeah, what do you want from me? Like, I don't know. Like, I understand you like it, and the whole world wants uh, a free ticket, so. Yeah, it's nice to hear Dana say how annoying that is. Well, I'm going to check right now while, uh, while we're doing the show. What, what would you guess the cheapest ticket for a pair of seated tickets? Not standing room, but a seated pair, tickets. Okay. A pair of a seated pair. tickets, yeah. So two tickets. Yeah, what do you think is the cheapest? At the T-Mobile. At T-Mobile. So we're looking at the nosebleeds. Yeah, we're looking at nosebleeds um, and we're looking at a pair of tickets. 
And we're talking U.S. dollars? We're talking U.S. dollars after fees. After fees. Uh, let's go with a pair and a rafters. Uh, 800 U.S. dollars. Per ticket or for the pair? For the pair. The lowest price on StubHub for you to get a pair of tickets, for seated tickets, for a pair after fees, okay. is $2,240. Oh, I was way off. Yeah, so $1,121 per ticket after fees. Damn. U.S. dollars. Yeah. Now let's, no. let's go to the floor. Cheapest, cheapest pair of floors that you can get. Okay, that's got to be at least what four grand, five grand. The cheapest pair of floors, Joe. Five grand, pair. Seven thousand dollars per ticket. US. Per ticket. Per ticket. Damn. For floors to yeah. this event. Yeah. Well, that's how they get the money to pay Connor, I guess, right? That's yeah. That's where they get their gate. Yeah. Although um, I mean, these are these are after aftermarket tickets, right? So they they don't really get a cut of this. It's uh, they've yeah. already made their money off those tickets. They're sold. Yeah, and the amount of celebrities with the comp tickets, still worth it. It's worth it? Damn. You're going to pony up $14,000? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just saying to, to pay Connor that kind of money, oh, it's yeah, worth yeah. it. Yeah, oh, yeah. For so them, if you got to sure do what you got to do to get Connor that money and to do what he's got to do, like, yeah, you're paying it. Yeah, so there you go. That's uh, not, a, not a cheap date. No. It's like the old school boxing days. All the biggest of the biggest celebrities used to go out to the big boxing fights. Mm -hmm. They'd get the limos out. They'd have their, you know, those fur coats walking into the boxing events. Like, it's nice to see celebrities out for them. Yeah, well, it's good for the. It's also good for the UFC. I mean, it's it, it shows the the strength of their brand because remember back in the day they used to just show like Anthony Kiedis from the Chili Peppers is yeah. in attendance. Yeah. You know, like it's yeah. they didn't have a ton of celebrities. I'm not trying to diminish, yeah. uh, of course, Anthony Kiedis. I mean, the no, 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 but you're right. Some good yeah. He's no Trump. He's no Trump. He's uh, no he, Trump. He was never president. <laughs> Anthony no, Kiedis he ain't was no never Trump. president. But in this day no. and age, hey, stranger things have happened. Um, co-main event, Gilbert Burns is an underdog against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Um, I did send uh, Gilbert Burns your video, Joe. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see if uh, he's able to take some points from it. Yeah, there you go. And he, he did what I said in the video, what everybody does, brings in Raymond Daniels. Yep, so Raymond he Daniels. just he did the exact same thing I said everyone does and they shouldn't do. So hopefully yeah, he listened I, to I that. Even heard, I even heard Stephen Thompson. He was uh, doing an interview with, with Chris Weidman, actually. And he was yeah, like, yeah. yeah, they brought in Raymond Daniels. He goes, Raymond Daniels owes me some money. Everybody brings this guy in. Yeah, <laughs> to, everyone. To, to go against and he's. Me. And Thompson's kind of like he's like he's like me, but he's not like me, guys. Yeah, like he's right. different, you know. He's got a different style. Like he moves a little train. bit different. Bring in They're blitzing. Joe. Yeah. But my thought is, I don't give a crap if you're Wonder Boy Thompson or Raymond Daniels. The strategy I'm going to teach you is going to beat both of them. So I mean, there, it doesn't matter what they do. I'm giving you the blueprint of whoever it is is going to work. But it's all right. Pay Raymond Daniels to go and. Uh, See what happens. It's like the rock. Stephen Thompson, what do you what do you do in the cage? It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't. No. Yeah, I, I like Thompson. He's like, yeah, everyone knows what I'm gonna do. Try to do it. You know, he's yeah. a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Is he better than me? Yeah, he is better than me in jiu-jitsu. But you can't take me down. Yeah, Go for it. Try piece. it. You yeah. know, I got an advantage in every single fight. I'm like, Hell yeah, see, I love it. I think it. Burns should be favored in this one. Am I am I off? Um, I I think. Based on if you look as a mixed martial artist, he's got more tools, so you can say that possibly he is. But I I agree with Thompson. I I don't think he's gonna be able to close that distance down. He's too small, too short. Um, I don't think he's able to like. He's gotta he's gotta be spectacular striker to close that distance. And I don't think he's a I don't think he's spectacular enough to do it. I think he's better overall, but that one piece 
is just not good enough. I'd be curious to know how many first rounds Stephen Thompson has lost. Like, because the feeling out process for him Probably is Probably so zero, different. yeah. yeah. Every, his fainting, like, you got to be an absolute crazy person to just go in. Like, even my fight with Raymond Daniels, the first round was very slow. It's like I didn't even throw too much. It's it's all about, man, I got to understand this distance. I got to understand the blitzing, the closing of the distance. Like, I think he's going to sidekick me to the body, and all of a sudden there's a hook kick to the head. Like, I don't know what he's trying to do. So it's very, very scary to fight those guys. But by round two or three, you got to be full force, pressure 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 if he hits you once like pettis like you might get hit once but pettis stepped in he kept going you know that's how you knock him out you you got to be okay with eating one but you got to give two or three back i feel like bringing in mike michael venom page would be a good training partner if you were you're training for stephen thompson very different styles but the, the distance is very yeah similar yeah i just think it's learning to close the distance more than the person itself you know i mean whether I don't care who you are and what style you are. If I'm in your face, it doesn't matter what you do. You know, it doesn't matter if you bounce sideways, left, right, orthodox. I'm in your face. I'm grabbing you. You know, I'm clinched into you. You can't do anything different. Doesn't matter who you are. So, I mean, I think, I don't know. I mean, everyone's got a different approach to it. But uh, I think the ultimate approach would be, hey, bring me in two weeks before Raymond Daniels. I give you the game plan, the strategy. Then you bring Raymond Daniels in to practice the strategy on would be the ultimate game plan. You Maybe you and Daniels should go into business together. I actually thought about that. I swear to you. <laughs> in my mind, I was like, me and me and me and Daniels are friends. We're nice. We're cool. I'm like, that would be the perfect. We could start selling all these guys big money, you know, like. <laughs> Bring well, us only out. for like another year or two because Stephen Thompson's like 38 now. I know. We need one another. Well, Michael Venom Page is older too now. Yeah, so, I mean. You need like another sport karate guy to come in. <laughs> yeah, jeez. Yeah, I got one of uh, – there's a good sport karate guy, a good friend of mine named Ross Levine. He's yeah, part of the New England Ross cartel. Ross is yeah, the guy. Fantastic, man. Good glory kickboxer. He just signed with uh, – uh, karate combat so i think oh, he's really? going to be part of this season yeah um glory has been uh, hasn't brought in any of the north american talent yet so they're trying to get some other fights so he uh he's uh signed with the uh yeah karate combat, karate combat. Yeah. i always want to say sports karate karate combat so yeah it's gonna be i think he's gonna do good there but uh yeah hopefully back to glory eventually all right uh, yeah i mean i like burns in the fight but don't don't ask me how he wins the fight i don't know like I just I feel like Burns is the better fighter, but I yeah. like I couldn't pressure tell you. and power. Yeah, he's got yeah, pressure, and, pressure power. and power. And and if it yeah. somehow gets to the ground, it's like Burns can sub him. Yep. No, I think it's uh it's definitely a minus one fifty five. I'm seeing here for Thompson. I mean yeah. that's kind of high, but I mean it should uh, it's almost a slight favorite, but close fight. All right, Taito Ivasa against Greg Hardy. What have what have you thought of Greg Hardy's development so far? I asked Dana White the same question. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, he's been in the UFC for two and a half years, has had nine fights. What do you think his ceiling is at this point? Well, I, I, it's almost like he's almost got thrown in a little too quickly, you know? Like, to fight Volkov early on in mm -hmm. your career, like, yeah. that, that's a big fight, man. Like, that, that's a lot. Um, I think it needed a little bit more development, to be honest with you. But uh, I think his athleticism and his mindset is a little bit more – or it's presents higher than his athletic – uh, sorry, his athleticism and mindset is stronger than his martial arts skills at some points. That's kind of the point where like it takes time to develop as a martial artist, even though you're a good athlete and you have the mindset. So I think it's gonna be a tough fight, but he's big. He's strong. He's athletic. He can beat anybody if, if with the right shot. So um, he's got a chance. But I think Ty, you know, is just uh, 
he's a fighter. He's a real, you know, martial artist on top of being an like not the greatest athlete if you look at him, but he's a fighter. I like the Hardy by decision prop at plus 375. I feel like Hardy can can win two rounds here, get a takedown um and and somehow sneak out a decision. I think that the the odds on that are quite good, but we'll we'll have to see. I I mean, I'm I'm still kind of the thing I'm iffy about with Greg Hardy is that he went from American Top Team to Sanford MMA, and now he trains like in North Carolina with like Rashad Evans, and you know I I just feel like he doesn't have the amount of bodies around him as he would have had if he had stayed at a bigger camp. Yeah, I mean, Tuivasa is still doing pretty good though. I mean, I just remembered his last fight, you know, quick knockout, which was impressive. Um, but Hardy's not really the guy who's. I mean, he took Volkov to a decision, right? So. I mean, if Volkov couldn't really finish him, it could be really hard to, to finish. Yeah, I, well, I, I guess we'll see. I, I well, think, yeah, I, I think we'll see. But I mean, Tai Tuivasa's got fight-ending power, regardless of who you are. So uh, let's. Yeah. This is a wait and see for me. I'm, I'm curious to see who comes out on top here. Uh, the Sean O'Malley fight is interesting because it seemed like every single bantamweight in the UFC put their hand up for the fight, and then they went and signed somebody. Yeah, yeah, like that. That that's very interesting to me. Like, how do you? How does a newcomer, you know, there's a huge division. No one wanted to, like, I, it's confusing to me why to. they went that way. I guess Ricky Simone was the front runner to get the, uh, to get the assignment, but said he wanted to do it at 145. He couldn't cut down to 135. That's a big missed opportunity, honestly. Like, I know you're probably going to have to kill yourself cutting that weight, but getting Sean O'Malley on the main card of a Conor McGregor pay-per-view, it's like, I don't think you, you have the, you, the ball's not really in your court to make yeah. those kind of demands. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, I mean, good on the kid for doing it. I mean, it guarantees you a spot in the UFC. You'll, you know, you get maybe, I don't know. Regardless of what happens, you get a next, you get another fight in right. the UFC. So that was his way in. And if he's got to take some licks to get it, I mean, it's, it happens a lot in fight organizations. There's nothing new. That, that's, that was me. Uh, my glory was that. My glory debut was to get knocked out by Derechi in Turkey. And then they'd give me another fight. But that's how they signed me. Say, we'll give you two fights. Do this for us. And then we'll give you. So right. that's exactly what it was. So do I agreed job, to kind of. Yeah, I agreed to, to get knocked out in Turkey. So yeah. I said, sure. And I was like, they, they didn't know what I knew. So, Did you knock but yeah, but maybe this. Kid, the decision? Oh, no, I put a beating on him. I knocked him down with an uppercut in the first round. I head kicked him, knocked him down. I punished his leg so bad that he couldn't even walk in his corner through in the towel. So that's what you get for wanting to beat up a Scarborough kid. From Canada, you know? Don't you can't beat me up. You can't try that stuff on me. I'm gonna go back and watch that fight. Oh yeah. I had only I had seven pro fights. It was like his sixtieth pro uh, it was like seventieth pro fight. Boss Rudin was like going crazy, like, how is this a thing? How is this you know, fight even happening? He's got so much more experience. Yeah, yeah, but that's what it is. That's how it happens in the sport. I forgot to mention when I when I spoke to Wonderboy, I saw that he did the interview with Weidman and Weidman was like, I wanna ask you about Burns. I know you just I know you hate talking about your opponent going before a fight, so when I interviewed him, I was like, why don't you like talking about your upcoming opponent? Like, why? I mean, everybody's going to want to ask you about this fight. Like, why? What's why would you prefer not to? And he was like, yeah, it's just like there's just so much going into this that like I'd rather think about anything else than the fight. He's like, I'd rather play video games. I'd rather like anything that I can do to take my mind off of it. He goes, I don't watch fights leading up to my fight. He doesn't watch any UFC events when he has a, a bout scheduled. He just yeah. like he wants to think about he wants to just train, be himself and not think about anything else. It's just yeah. interesting that that. Uh, Thinking about that sort of approach, I think that's important. It was um, 
I mean, you know, when you think about the fight, you get anxious, nerves come up, you know, like why? Like if you can keep the stress levels as low as possible, deal with it when the time comes was was my belief, too. If if I every day over th- thought about things, that's why I kind of liked working as a teacher still, because it kind of for half of the day, I didn't think about fighting. I was so busy that it was like only when I trained, I thought about the fight. And I was like, man, I'm so busy. I got to work again tomorrow. So it almost took my mind away from it. So it helped a lot. So I, I can see that's what happens. And the more I get into it and the more I study other fighters for my team and stuff, like even the, the eye contact situation, you got to see there's a lot of fighters I never understood. Like how can you go on a weigh-in and not eye your opponent in the eyes? Like how do you not stare him into a soul? And I see a lot of guys keeping their head down. I was like, I get it. Like why are you going to spike your your anxiousness so early? Wait. And then when it's time, then look at them in the eye. So I, I get it now. I'm starting to understand the mindset of everybody's slightly different. Yeah, it seems like everybody's got kind of this different approach to it, which is I, I find that to be very intriguing. Uh, yeah, just no. to hear people talk about that. Um, one fight on this card that is cannot miss is Michelle Pereira versus Nico Price. Like that's, yep. just, that's going to be a circus. Yeah, no, that that's crazy. I mean, I don't know who's crazier between the two of them, but uh, yeah, it's. Uh, big boys too like they're i don't know this is just uh that that's gonna be i don't even know can't even tell you what it's gonna be i'm trying to think if we have any uh any other big news uh from this week uh oh yeah there's there's one when i spoke to dana white he 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 dropped a little nugget on us uh i uh i saw that he was in the war room and i said hey um pick any fight off the wall that you have for september or, or october and just let me know what it is and he was like, well, it's not, you know, the fights aren't, aren't done. It's just kind of like we have the placeholders. And I was like, it, you know, I won't report it as done. Just, you know, we'll... and the fight that he gave me, he was feeling, he was Dana Claus yesterday. He was yeah, feeling generous. Yeah. Nate Diaz, or Nick Diaz, rather, against Robbie Lawler, a rematch 17 years in the making. Yeah. is going to be taking place. He told me in September and reports have uh, since come out uh, via Ariel Helwani and I think also Brett Okamoto that UFC 266 is where this will be as the co-main event to Ortega versus Holloway. Sorry, Ortega versus Volkanovski, rather, um, at T-Mobile Arena. So the return yeah. of Nick Diaz looks like it is imminent, uh, not official yet, in the works, as they, uh, as they say, yeah. in the works. Yeah. But, uh, hey, that is a big one. Yeah, I'm, it was just it was cr- nice to see Dana give you a big bomb like that to drop, too, which was crazy. And out that. of all of nice. them, too, out of all of the fights, too, the Nick Diaz, like, you know, like, that's huge. You know, that's awesome. So yeah, I was expecting, I like, like, Andre Ewell versus, like, uh, yeah. you know, it's like Nick pull, Diaz. We, I said, you can be the first fight on the card if you want. Yeah. I, I thought he was just going to give me, like, whatever, two randos. Yeah, we didn't even think, like, did we officially know he was even coming back? That's right? Wasn't about. he in? And he, and maybe good in chance, but I've even heard there's a, a chance of him in Bellator even recently. So to even hear that news drop uh, was pretty big. So that's awesome. That's freaking awesome. One to have him back, and two you got to drop. But I think Brett Okamoto there. I think he re, he said that the TSN reporter. I don't think he dropped your name though. So I think we got well, some he, beef he, with he, Brett. No, he quoted with, my tweet. He quoted okay. my tweet and said... I, I looked, I was like, he didn't give Aaron the credit when I read it. I was like, come on, drop Aaron Bronstetter. Yeah. TMZ it. didn't give me credit for the celebrities that are going to be in attendance, and then they went and amended it. I made a stink about it. Did you? Good. Yeah, that's not cool. Well, yeah, I, I put the, I put out the tweet, and then they put out the article with all the exact same names as the ones in the tweet. In the like, right order, probably. And they were like, too. a UFC source confirms this. It's like, come on. Hi. Yeah, come on. Respect the, respect the craft. Respect the game. That's it. Yeah. That's it. 
Um, did we talk about the... Oh, I, well, I don't think we spoke about the interim title fight coming up at UFC 265, Cyril Gaon. No, no, I was going to ask you about that because I didn't hear the, the story behind it. And then I kind of did some backstory to kind of see what was happening. I think I know what's going on, but what's here from the, the professional end? All right, well, let's... Dana wouldn't be ex wasn't explicit with me about what happened, but basically it seems that they wanted to have Derek Lewis headline the fight in Houston. I mean, he's from Houston. It's a big yeah, draw makes there. Sense. You want to get your gate. And um, basically they said to Francis again, it was like, we're going to have a heavyweight title fight on this night. Either you're in it or you're not in it. And the train left the station without him. And now we've yeah. got an interim title fight between Cyril Gunn, who looked fantastic against Alexander Volkov and uh, is a big favorite in this fight against Derek Lewis yeah. uh, in the main event for the interim title. And when is it booked? It's next month. Soon. Next month. But it's, I, I it's heard like, that on, was what, kind of it, right? What's the date today? Today's July 7th or 8th? 8th. It's, like, it's August 7th, so it's less than a month away. Because the, the tweets and the, the messages I was reading from his team was like um, the management, apparently, there was back and forth, a big back and forth yeah. with the management. And uh, they said they confirmed to September. Right. So that's what there was big confusion. They said that Nagano's team didn't even know that there was an interim title being held. Yeah, but there's uh, September is not when so. they wanted to make the heavyweight fight. They wanted to make the heavyweight fight in August. So yeah, but you would think you would talk to the heavyweight champ and his team and being like, hey, this is the situation. Well, but did. it seems. Yeah, it seems. But who knows? From both sides, they're, they're all over the place. Well, it's, but uh, It's kind of a ridiculous interim championship. But it's, you know, yeah, it's, but you know what? To have it two months later, it you know? It, it seems like they want to have the follow-up fight late this year. They want to have Francis against the winner of that fight. I mean, Cyril Gaon's yeah. been so active. Yeah, but have you seen Gon's tweet about that, which is like, he goes, if I'm Francis, he goes, I don't really care. Everybody knows it's not the real title. So yeah, he's like, exactly. if I'm Francis, I'm not I'm not too worried about it. He goes, if anything, like, I think it's just going to hype up the fight. Dantrum versus the real champ, you know, and it, can, it just creates a, a storyline. And I think that's what they're looking for yeah. is a storyline. I wonder who got a title fight first, Gon or Francis, like in terms of how long they've been in the UFC. So he's, Gon's been in the UFC for less than two years. How long did it take for Francis to get that first title shot against Stipe? I'm curious. I'm curious who had a faster track to the to the championship. So, yeah. so uh, Francis joined December 19th, 2015, and his title shot was um, just over two years later. It was January 2018. So Cyril is basically the same thing. It's almost exactly two years. So very yeah. similar amount of days, except this is an interim title fight, and Francis fought for the you know the undisputed championship. Yeah. Now, now, you mentioned in the interview that, you know, there's a storyline between past training partners and stuff. Is there, like, tension or oh, yeah. is it just – Oh, yeah. There is tension yeah, between very the bad two. Blood. Okay. Between okay. Fernando I didn't Lopez. know it was bad blood. Not necessarily okay. between Gon and Francis Ngannou, but Gon's trainer, Fernand Lopez, who used to train Francis. And Francis like they, have they the big They are problems. not on speaking terms. Like, they, there's some real beef there. And, and Gon has no problems with Francis, or I guess maybe I him siding. But Gon seems just like a laid-back guy. <laughs> like, yeah, he think, seems so chill anyways. I don't think he's going to approach it with any sort of emotion, but I think that Fernand Lopez has a lot riding on this one. And yeah. hey, in terms of matchups for Francis in the division, Gon is about as bad a matchup as it gets for Francis. Yeah, good distance control, moves well, doesn't sit to get hit much. You know, when have you really seen Gon get really hit too bad, you know? He that gets is, hit, but he, I mean, I, I think against Francis, who's not a volume striker, I think if you pick your spots, like, it's going to be very difficult for, for Francis to catch him. Yeah, I just... Uh, I, he's with him before. Yeah, I just still think, man, every time I see Francis, that's just a, a different human. Gon looks, Gon looks human to me. Francis still looks like a, a robot animal. Nah, there's no way.
So no Gonza, way. Gonza minus no way. 275 favorite against Savage. Taylor. Yeah. No, I say I'm sticking by my word. I don't think Francis will be beaten. So Gon has a good shot, but Francis is just next level when he touches you. Yeah, I'm just talking matchups. You know, Gon is very similar to John Jones in terms of fighting style. That right? that that is a good comparison. I do like that comparison. That would actually be a fun fight to watch too. Would be, that would be a chess match. Very I, mean, I, I don't think Gon has the wrestling and nobody's knocking anybody Jones. out, but technically sound would be a beautiful technical fight. Yeah. We haven't really seen Gon in any sort of grappling exchanges, I don't think. Like, if you look at who he's fought, they're all stand-up fighters. Javier Pessoa, Dante Mays, Tanner Bozer, Junior Dos Santos, Rosenstroik, and Volkov. Like, we're not talking... I don't think... I'm wondering if he's actually even defended a uh, takedown. Yeah, but who... who The only real grappler in the heavyweight division is who? You know, Curtis, Curtis Blades, Blades, really. Right? Yeah. Other than that, there there really isn't. That's almost like the, the middleweights. There's just... There's not a, a wrestling-heavy division. Gon has landed five takedowns in his UFC career, but has never been taken down. I guess he stuffed two of Pessoa's takedowns. He was 0 and, Pessoa was 0-2 against him. Mays, zero attempts. I'm guessing Bozer, zero attempts. Yeah, Bozer, zero attempts. Dos Santos, I'm guessing, zero attempts, correct? Oh, no, uh, Dos Santos attempted one takedown unsuccessfully. Rosenstroik, I'm going to guess, didn't go for, uh, go for takedowns. Gon landed two of 14 takedowns against uh, Rosenstroik. And Volkov did not attempt a takedown. So... Gon has actually tried to wrestle his opponents more than his opponents have tried to wrestle him. Yeah, no, he's good. Distance control is a game. That's why I keep telling, going back to the Wonder Boy fight here, but uh, distance control means everything in fighting. If you're good at it, you're not going to be get taken down. You're not going to get hit much. So understand distance. You understand fighting. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to... Uh... Looking forward to that one as a fight. I mean, Gon versus Lewis is still a great fight. I, uh, while I don't think that an interim championship is, is necessary, <laughs> I guess yeah. for promotional uh, reasons, yeah. I guess it was necessary. They just signed yeah. a multi-fight deal in the city of Houston, and I think that there was probably a caveat that they were going to have Lewis headline that event. Yeah. They're, they're uh, I guess, positive news for a lot of fighters with the Nevada Commission approving uh, that they won't be testing for marijuana anymore. So I think That's a right. lot of fighters have been happy about that. Yeah, and I think, and I mean, hey, coincidentally, the same day that that comes out, they uh, announced that Nick Diaz is likely coming, is possibly coming back. So yeah, it's a good time in Vegas. So uh, you know, take that, take that information with, uh, with what you know, as you will. Now, random question though, like I mean, this is a little bit uh, backpedal, but when Nate Diaz, like when he's in those and he's lighting up his joints or CBD stuff, there's no issues with it. I guess where the fight was because it was Houston. Where was that fight? Which one? The oh, Nate uh, the Diaz last CBD? one. Where, is, yeah, because oh, it's right. usually like the recent one. He's lighting up in press conferences and stuff. I mean, I guess it depends if the commission's fine with it, I guess, or well, I, I don't depending on the commission. C- they don't test for CBD. They test for THC. Oh, was that CBD joint? Is that yeah, what it was? Yeah. A purely CBD? I believe so. Okay. I couldn't tell you for sure what uh, what Nate Diaz is doing. I just but... always wonder, and I'm like, everyone's just sitting there. I was like, isn't there like some form of testing? Like, no matter what, like the day before, still on most athletic commissions, you can't. Right. So it's confusing. But to yeah, me. I think it's a pure CBD. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what, what he said, said that's before. That's what he said when he fought in LA. Yeah. 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 Who knows? Just seeing how he got away with it, but because uh, I know Elias Theodoro is still really pushing for it. You know, being the. Uh, like one of the first cannabis-approved athletes. He's a... Yeah, and yeah, he wants there to be TUEs for it. Although now, if Nevada's not going to be, yeah, basically is discipline. I mean, do you need a TUE? Although uh, there are many other commissions that are. So you know, I guess they've got to figure all of that out. 
All right, I think uh, that just about wraps it up. There was one other thing I wanted to ask you about that I am I'm forgetting. Uh, oh yeah, the, uh, the the video that Colby Covington put out. Did you see this? Uh, I have not. Okay, so then I can't really ask you about it. But Colby Covington leaked a sparring video of Dustin Poirier where he, I guess he drops his sparring partner. Oh, okay, I seen that clip, but yeah. I didn't know it was so from Colby. So Colby leaked that, and he basically said it was a dirty move and blah, blah, blah. But it seems like everybody is defending Dustin Poirier and saying this is something that happens in, in sparring all the time. Yeah, I guess it it all depends the the little bit of the story before it, you know. Like, there's times in my gym where it's like two guys are getting heated, and you know if they go after it, but if both mutually agree with it and they're going at it in that moment, it happens. You can't really stop it. But no, it, it's not really looked you know positively upon. I mean, it's terrible to be honest with you, but it happens. You can't say it doesn't happen in it. I mean, I I have. One of the most frustrating things as a coach, Aaron, is when I say, all right, everyone, it's time for free sparring. That is the most stressful time as a coach because guys don't know how to control themselves. That's why I'm like when you see like those Sanford MMA videos of like Van Roosmal and Michael Johnson killing each other. Those guys are really trying to and they're good friends trying mm -hmm. to knock each other out. Like yeah. I can't even imagine Sanford MMA sparring with the peak of all of those guys with egos and how hard they try. I can't even imagine how hard they're sparring. So it, it does happen. But as a coach, it gives me so much anxiety a lot of the times because it looks worse than it is. I had two guys in my training session the other day, and I was like, I can't believe how hard they're going. But then I stopped him. I was like, listen, you guys are adults. Every day I'm telling you guys to – this is stupid. But you're adults now. If you guys – no one's here. If you guys want to go kill each other and be stupid, at, at some point you guys are going to have to make your own damn decisions for yourselves because they don't listen. Aaron, they do not listen, and it's so stressful. Get in there. They want their reps. They don't understand. So I understand that it happens so often, and I get with the ego, and it's, it's tough because you always want to – outdo your opponent but it's it's a serious problem in the sport when this kind of happens but it still happens so yeah, i mean just, i, I wouldn't say he's a bad person for it. it's just something that you philosophically don't like basically it's yeah. not something that you want in your gym no i mean it shouldn't be no one should really be doing it you know like i mean i'm sure it's happened to dustin maybe a couple of times i'm sure dustin's been knocked out in training i'm sure colby's knocked someone out in training you know it, it happens you know even unintentional do you know how many times where you know if i'm doing mma sparring and and i'm you know i'm sparring a grappler guess what the first thing they want to do is grab my legs so what do i need to do to stop getting someone to grab my legs i gotta lift my knees up show that i'm gonna kick them in the face but say they really commit to it and i throw my knee up at the same time what happens yeah next thing yeah, you know, know the grappler is knocked out you know like but it was just the force the timing of it it was a mistake they shouldn't be shooting like that anyways but it happens a lot in training and it's it's a problem it's just it'll always be there all right joe well we're going to break down this uh, event, UFC 264, next week. We'll, we'll recap it. We'll talk about everything that went down and uh, see who comes out on top of the trilogy fight between Conor yep. McGregor and Dustin Poirier. Looking forward to that. Uh, you can go to bazookatraining.com if you are interested in learning from the man himself, Bazooka Joe yes, Valpolini. Yes, sir. And uh, until, until next time, enjoy the fights. Boom. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.